about being triggered at work. The backstory here is that I've been working for this company uh, for about a little over three months now. Um, and in that time, I've had three different managers. Uh, the company has lost about 20% of the people, either quitting, mostly quitting, uh, or being laid off. And it's been a, just a, it's been an unsettling time to say the least. And all of this is happening. Also, wow. There's a lot of movement in the apartment complex. There's a lot of people moving out and been having a really hard time, uh, with my manager. And I know that, you know, People have different experiences with when it comes to managers. And, you know, I don't know what your situation is. If you are in a situation where there is sexual or physical violence going on, um, I strongly recommend uh, contacting the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, but if you're dealing with um, something that's maybe a little bit more subtle, um, which I feel like is where a lot of, uh, toxicity in the workplace, uh, comes from is in, you know, these micro, uh, environments, these micro conversations where it's just one or two comments, right? It's death by a thousand cuts, <laughs> uh, as they said in our diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Good Lord. Why couldn't they make that a little less of a mouthful? I don't know. Um, but you know, they said this, they're like, well, what is a microaggression? I'm like, well, microaggression can, uh, exist, uh, in many forms. Um, and the way that I've seen it for me play out is in these conversations where there's just a, little comments here and there. And you're like, wait, why did you say that? And then you feel like you get enough of these boil, you know, like enough of these happening. Um, and they could be happening in broad daylight, um, which is one reason why I think that this particular type of toxicity is, is challenging and, and potentially triggering, uh, for survivors because, um, you can just be, you know, being slimed essentially in broad daylight, <laughs> uh, or just, yeah, just, um, ab abuse in broad daylight. And, and this is something I think that is in particular, uh, triggering for me, um, being, uh, told that I needed to go to counseling, uh, by, uh, you know, abusers, <laughs> um, in early childhood. So this I think relates to, uh, feelings of shame, uh, gaslighting. And in both of these things, I think that gaslighting can kind of, um, 
produce uh, feelings of shame. And when it comes to shame, all you can do when it comes to shame, it's like you can either fight back, uh, you know, you can say that actually, no, this is wrong. Uh, or you like destroy yourself uh, or your identity around whatever is being shamed. Yeah. And everyone kind of has their own uh, interactions with shame, if you will, or their feelings around shame and how they deal with it. So when I'm thinking about shame uh, and the, you know, recent times that I have felt this with this um, toxic uh, work environment, uh, one of the things that's, that, that kind of comes to mind is this, this feeling that, you know, in the moment, something is being communicated about uh, you in some way, something about your performance or something about what you did or didn't do, um, or what you might do in the future. And the context of it is just it's negative in some way. Um, and there's a very subtle and uh, negative judgments kind of like interwoven uh, in the, in what's actually being said in here, I can, um, I can give you an example of this. Uh, so for example, let's say, uh, a project manager or an administrative assistant is being asked to deliver a message to, um, certain people in the organization. Okay. So that's, that makes sense. That's kind of how communication happens in an organization. If you see an organ, an, communication as the organization itself um, is just communication moving through channels. And that's essentially what an organization is. So, all right, you've been asked to move some information around. That's great. Who, who are those people? Let's find out who those people are. Um, and let's figure out, you know, a operationally effective way uh, to get the information to those people once we know who those people are. Okay, so the um, the project manager suggests that they will uh, try and get the list of managers from the communications manager um, because they're under the impression that the communications manager uh, owns uh, various lists um, throughout the organization and would have uh, that list. The other uh, alternative could be to contact uh, HR since they have uh, more up-to-date information about the headcount. Now, getting the headcount and then getting the emails to those people could be two separate tasks. Um, they could be one task. Uh, if everything already, if a list like that already exists, then it's just a matter of contacting that the person who has it uh, and getting the list. So obviously there's a little bit of strategy uh, when it comes to putting together a list. Uh, so a, a microaggression could be, now let's give this context. Let's say that the, the boss and the, um, the, the project manager. So let's say you have a director and then their PM, um, and the director is saying that, oh, you know, it's only 20 contact contacts. Uh, it shouldn't be too arduous for you to do, um, or it shouldn't be too challenging for you to do that. Right. Like that's not a big deal. Okay. So let's break this down a little bit. So on the, on the surface, uh, it could be, well, no, it shouldn't be hard <laughs> to put together a list of 20 contacts in the organization, obviously. Um, and evidently the project manager had already done this, uh, but that list is no longer up to date. Um, and so they are uh, inquiring as to if, 
an up-to-date list exists. Um, so, but the whole, the comet in and of itself walks around what's actually happening. And so what's actually happening here? It's like, well, uh, the project manager is, is tasked with uh, an objective. Um, and then they're saying, this is how I intend to meet the objective. And then instead of yes, sounds good. You get, you know, it's not that big of a deal and this shouldn't be that hard for you. Okay. <laughs> so why is this uh, a microaggression? Well, uh, in this kind of situation, uh, we can look at, uh, you know, what's actually being said, why it's being said it, why it's being said and, uh, what the intended impact is. And if you're perceptive and intellectually, um, you're emotionally, uh, intelligent person or moderately emotionally intelligent person, um, you of course are picking up multiple, uh, bit, bits of information, um, when communication happens, right? You're, you're obviously hearing tone, um, you're hearing cadence, um, you're, you're hearing, um, whether or not the person speaking to you is reflecting, um, what you're saying, like, are you getting that mirroring? Um, and all of these things, you know, in the absence of these things, it can really, you know, trigger an individual, um, who maybe grew up in an environment that was, uh, uh, very chaotic, uh, right. So you didn't know what was coming next, um, or how to respond. Um, it can also be like, uh, it can also feel kind of like, um, a codependent where there's this like aggression, there's this like subtle uh, passive aggressiveness going on. And you're not sure when that aggression is going to happen or if that kind of aggression, um, which includes, you know, like belittling. Um, and I think in this situation, there's an aspect of belittling going on because, you know, of course, putting together 20 contacts wouldn't be challenging. Sandra, this person's name is not Sandra, but we're going to refer to them as Sandra to protect the individual. Unless, of course, your name is Sandra and then you can just replace it with something else. <laughs> so shame. Yeah. So in the moment, you know, there can, there can be this, there can be this kind of reoccurring cycle where you're, you know, you're receiving this information and you know that there's, there's a problem with it. And there's, you know, and, and you're potentially also looking for ill intent, you know, if you're coming from, uh, you know, a lot of trauma in, in your childhood in particular, um, you might be kind of always scanning the environment for, uh, threats. And so when some, when a comment like this is, you know, arguably aggressive, passive aggressive, um, is it enough to ruin someone's weekend? Um, potentially if it's also coupled with, uh, you know, other forms of aggression, uh, in, in a short period of time. So you got to look at the context, uh, for the whole thing. Um, when you're kind of, uh, looking at how you're going to like, how you're going to best work with, uh, the shame factor. So in this situation, uh, I recommended to the, the client that they uh, do some writing, uh, immediately. <laughs> and, uh, this is important for a couple of reasons. One, uh, is that the, the closer you are to the actual event where the trigger took place, um, the better you'll be able to remember, uh, the events, um, and not only that, um, I found that being able to write things, um, you know, close to an event is actually really cathartic. Um, and if you can get to a point where you're not as triggered, 
um, and you can get into the, the prefrontal space, that is going to feel a lot more empowering than just kind of more empowering than just laying on the floor uh, and crying intermittently for several days, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, binge watching or binge drinking or, uh, you know, any other kind of, uh, behavior that, um, you know, when you're not in a triggered state, you might look back and be like, hmm, I don't know if that's how I want to live, uh, my life. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, um, when we're working with, when we're working with toxicity in the workplace, uh, it's just good to take a step back and, and also just not do anything for a moment. Um, sometimes, you know, I, you know, we try and pull out like all the tools when we're triggered. So we're like, oh yeah, when I'm triggered, I know that I need to like take a walk or I'm going to take a bath or, um, uh, maybe I'm like wash my hair, uh, and spend a lot of time just like brushing and combing and like doing my hair. Cause that's going to be like, uh, soothing in some way. So I think it's good, you know, if you're, you know, in a toxic, uh, work environment and, uh, you've just had an incident, uh, used to, you know, try and focus some, some days and some time on, uh, just kind of bringing everything back, uh, to homeostasis. Uh, because ultimately, uh, this, you know, every day, every moment, every breath that happens is, is a day and a moment and a breath that we will never get back. So this is the part of the, the show where we get to breathe in and breathe out. maybe listen to what's, what's going on around you, unless you're trying to drown what's going on around you out. <laughs> it's loud here too. You know, we're not in Berlin, but it's, it's still a bit loud. I gotta say, but you can still hear the birds. It's cool. It's incredibly blue today. It's just getting, it's been very clear. Um, and it's been very blue and just the blue around here. Just, it really pops. All right, folks. Well, thanks again for stopping by. Um, I hope you're able to do some writing, some reflecting, uh, even if you haven't had an incident at work, <laughs> but just getting into the habit of, uh, of writing. And I, what I've been using, um, is a productivity tool, uh, that I love and it is, um, just a basic, uh, text editor, uh, tool. So it's something that's always pretty much pulled up on my desktop and I kind of use it as a substitute. Um, like, like if I was using my computer as, as like a typewriter, so we do a lot of things on the computer. Um, a lot of things, and uh, a lot of those things are on the internet as well. Um, so I find that a text editor is just really nice because it allows me to have multiple working documents, uh, open at once. And it doesn't, and I don't feel, um, as pressured to get the formatting right and everything. Uh, like when I am in a Microsoft product, like word, I feel a need to have every little thing formatted. Uh, otherwise Microsoft is going to be telling me that it's not right. Um, and I think as a creative, you want to spend a little bit more time with your thoughts and unpacking them and unraveling them and rereading them. 
and then stepping back and then going back again. Always give yourself 24 hours. Give yourself the 24 hour rule from the McKinsey Ed by Hugh Shatori. Just strongly recommend. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got from that book was to wait 24 hours on challenging communications. And I think that is a very professional, very professional move. And I think you can still, obviously this person's worked with a lot of clients, a lot of big labels. And if they say that waiting 24 hours to respond to something that's potentially uh, activating or controversial in some way, if you're angry or upset, you need to halt. Okay. Halt from our friends over at the multi Amory podcast is to cease communicating. If you are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or drunk, I think is the last one. I want to say dead because obviously if you're dead, you're probably not communicating, but maybe you are in different ways. So it's good to halt. It's good to write. It's good to take deep breaths and it's good to talk to the internet occasionally every once in a a new moon coming up this week. So good to hear from you all. I hope you're doing well and we'll see you next time.